This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello and welcome to the latest Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel. I'm your host, Matt Addison, and I'm delighted to say that alongside me is comedian, writer and Crystal Palace fan Kevin Day, who is, of course, here to preview the game between the Reds and Roy Hodgson's side. We've had the Price of Football podcast co-host Kira Maguire on the show plenty of times before, but this is the first time that Kevin's joined me on the show. So, Kevin, welcome to Blood Red. How's things? Not too bad. Um, I'm not surprised to hear that you've had Kieran on pod. He seems to express himself very thinly around most of the <laughs> club podcasts in the country. Uh, but he's obviously got a very soft spot for uh, Liverpool because he spends a lot of his time in that city. He's He's got very fond memories and some brilliant stories about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in, in terms of, of yourself, obviously we've we've got you on the, the show to, to speak about Crystal Palace. You're a big Palace fan and that's, of course, who Liverpool's final opponents are of this season. Are you looking forward to this Sunday's game? I suppose there's not a huge amount riding on it for Crystal Palace. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Matt, only because it means the season will be over, basically. Um I don't think anyone's enjoyed this season in particular. Uh, it's been wonderful fans back in the last game, um, but it's been a season for Palace that's, well, the usual season, but it's been a season of speculation for us right from the start, um, whether or not this was going to be Roy Hodgson's last season and, and that speculation has got a bit tedious recently and I'm glad it's been resolved. I'm quite sad it's been resolved with, with Roy leaving, but... Uh, I'm looking forward to the game because Liverpool Paris games are very rarely dull. Um, if we're ever going to beat a team in the top six, it tends to be Liverpool. Um, we've had some good results at Anfield. You need to win, unfortunately, which is a problem. I was rather hoping it would be a game where your fate had already been decided and we may have had a chance. But I think the fact you need to win it means we're probably in a bit of trouble. Uh, but yes, I am. I am looking forward to it. It's always uh, for, for anybody who's a fan of football history, as I am, who loves football history. And every time your team plays, a, it's a joy and it brings back nostalgic memories. Uh, it's a, it's a real shame that we can't be there because it's always a, a brilliant away day at Anfield. We'll obviously come on to, to Hodgson and some Liverpool links, Christian Benteke, another one to, to sort of come up later in the show, but. There's obviously fans back at Anfield this Sunday. That's the big thing, I think, that Liverpool fans are, are looking forward to. And Crystal Palace had their own sort of fans back in Selhurst Park for the Arsenal game midweek. It, it sort of feels like a big week in terms of that normality just coming back into football again. It it, it, it does. I, I know a lot of people, Matt, who, who wouldn't go uh, to the Arsenal game because they're, they're determined not to go back and there's a full stadium which I understand. I went to an under-23 game on, on Monday night. We played Wall and an under-23 playoff where we won and there was 1,500 Palace fans there. And I almost cried going back in the game and, and going back in the pub. Uh, <clears throat> we got we got there a little bit too early for an under-23 game because we were so excited about being back in the pub. But it's the pub that we've won Palace games for, for 25 years and it actually made me really emotional being back in there because, as all fans know, the the real way of going to a football game is not necessarily the game itself. It's the talking, the same non-people at the table, the same pub, 
that you have done for for decades. Um, so it was wonderful to be back. It was wonderful to be back in Sellers Park this week. But it's still <clears throat> you you still notice the empty seats rather than the the full ones. Basically, it's it's not it's not quite the same, and Anfield won't be quite the same on. On Sundays, I, again, as I talked about football history, it, I, you know, I remember as a kid, the San Etienne game in particular, I remember being transfixed by the flags and the noise and the crowds. And it, it won't be like that on, on Sunday, but unfortunately. And, and it'll only really be, please God, next season when we've got full stadium that it will really like there's some sense of normality. Although for a lot of people, I think there are a lot of people who may never, never go back to a football ground Again, basically, a lot of older people, I think, will will lack the confidence to go back for some time, if ever, sadly. But it was brilliant that, that there were people that sell us for the Arsenal game. And it's brilliant that Roy Hodgson got some sort of uh, of send-off. And it was really appreciated by Palace. Arsenal uh, did that, that welcome for him. That was very appreciated. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool did the same thing on, on Sunday, not for the memories they have of Roy as a Liverpool manager because they weren't happy. But I know Klopp thinks very highly of, of Roy Hodgson and as football does in general. So I suspect that Liverpool players will give Roy a similar welcome. But it's 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 brilliant, but it's still it's still not the same. I'm just yearning I'm yearning to see proper proper full grounds again. And and I'm kinda of holding my breath until it happens because we've with you know with every tabloid headline about a variant your heart sinks a little bit. It will we'll be back in there. And there's there's you know, you you'll say there's nothing like a full Anfield. From a from a Palace fans point of view, there's nothing like a full a full Sellers Park and, and time we're all back in the ground singing glad all over together. Um five minutes before we concede an early goal and we start moaning about football again. Uh, I will be very happy. Yeah, I think you sort of speak for for football fans everywhere. It's it's just a case of of wanting that normality. It's it's been missing for so long now. It, it just feels like a lifetime ago that that we were all in packed stadiums and, and all sorts of things like that. But uh, let's have a, a bit of a chat about Roy Hodgson. And you, you sort of mentioned him uh, just there, and obviously hinted at the fact that Liverpool supporters have maybe slightly different memories of Roy Hodgson and his career compared to some other teams. But as a Palace fan. Once Roy Hodgson has departed, what will your sort of memories of, of him be as a manager? I, I think it's interesting because it's 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 in the nature of English football in a way that a lot of football fans will remember Roy Hodgson for Liverpool and for England. And the sad fact is that the two biggest jobs Roy Hodgson had, he probably wasn't suited for. Um, because there does come a different set of expectations when you're managing Liverpool and when you're managing England. You can't you can't play the sort of practical football that Roy prefers when you're managing clubs like that. that you know, because Liverpool fans demand more. But for clubs like Palace and for Fulham and for West Brom, it's a different kettle of fish. I've I've been very disappointed with some Palace fans this season who have been you know demanding that Roy go because I think he's been a very good manager for us. I'm I'm one of the people that is I'm very sad that he's he's leaving Palace. He did a brilliant job, an almost miraculous job when we the, the Frank De Boer experiment failed so dismally, and Roy came in after we'd lost our first seven games of the season and did what he had to do, and and he's kept us in the Premier League for a club like Palace. 
Roy Hodgson being manager is an almost 100% guarantee of keeping us in the Premier League. And that's what we that's what we aspire for. And it's difficult for Liverpool fans, Man United fans, City fans, um, Spurs fans, who for some reason, I don't know, I don't quite understand why Spurs fans think they're entitled to win trophies and titles that they've rarely won before. But fans of big clubs don't understand that we're in, we're in a league that we can't win. So for us, staying in that league is is a win, basically. And I'm old enough to, to remember the old Division 3 days. I've lived through two um, financial disasters where the club were hours from going out of business. So for me, staying in the Premier League is really important. And, and the quality of football is, is also important. But Palace have never been a team that have been associated with entertaining football. We've, we've never been the sort of team. Alan Pardew tried to play entertaining football. And it ended up with him being sacked after we lost 5-4 to Swansea when we were 4-3 up in the fifth minute of injury time. Where, you know, Steve Coppel, who's my, my favourite ever Palace manager, he played a brand of football that wasn't, wasn't attractive. It was very basic football. It was effective. So we've never been associated. We've always been associated with getting the ball forward early, getting the ball wide. And that's what Roy does. Roy's done a really good job for us. And I think, I think it'll only be truly appreciated by some Palace fans in six months' time, in a year's time, I think it, it will need a bit of space and a bit of distance before people realise what a good manager Roy Hodgson was for us. And also, he he carried himself in a way that made you rather proud. He was always, you know, I mean, behind the scenes, you, you probably know as a journalist, he could be very spiky, he could be quite difficult, he'd be quite demanding. He's very much the boss at Palace, which was a, a slight issue because we've got this half-assed, director of football system, which Roy was never particularly happy with. He, he's he managers like Sam Allardyce. He wants to run the whole show. But he's he's been a brilliant ambassador for Palace. He's a local boy. He's one of our own. And it's a cliche, but he's he's a, he is one of our own. He supported Palace as a, as a kid. Um, and in fact, I, I know his very first meeting with the players, he brought the players to Sellers Park and he sat the players down and he, he said, I used to get um, I used to get a tram. My dad used to put me on the tram. I used to pay sixpence to get in. Gave this long speech. And, and when he left, one of the younger players said, what's a tram? And somebody else said, what's sixpence? <laughs> so it's, it's, he's, been at, he's been at the club for a long time. And, and also, to be fair, when in the past, when we've been safe, we actually play some really good football. But it's, at, the, at the moment, we haven't got the players to do that. But when in, in Roy's first season... When we had Johan Goodbye and Ruben Loftus Cheek, when we were safe, we played some really, really exciting football. It's just that normally his default setting is, is caution. Roy likes to end a game with the point that he started with. And if he can add another two, that all all well and good. But I I really won't. What what really worries me is that there are six managers that have been linked with with the job. Valerian Ishmael and Steve Cooper, who are both in the championship. Dawn Dyche and Scott Parker, who both managed teams that are below us in the Premiership. Frank Lampard, who did an average job with a very good squad at Chelsea. And Eddie Howe, who eventually got Bournemouth relegated. He took the scenic route, eventually got them relegated. None of those managers are demonstrably better than Roy Hodgson. That's what really worries me. I, I, and I, I, I fear all those Palace fans who say, well, at least we'll start playing entertaining attacking football now. It doesn't work like that. It will take three seasons with the players we've got. It will take 
four, five, six transfer windows to change our squad and bring in players that are good enough to play entertaining, attacking football. And by that time, I think we'll probably be relegated. There's, there's, the, people talk about risk and reward. The reward of getting you know, Eddie Howe in is that we might finish 10th rather than 12th and we might play some attractive football. But the risk is we get relegated. So I'm, I'm, rather, I'm very sad to see Roy go. Uh, and I'm rather anxious about the future, but I do fully understand why Liverpool fans don't have quite the same rosy view of him as I do. And I'm I'm aware that you asked me a very simple question, and I've given you a very long answer, mate. I apologise. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. No problem at all. I mean, just in terms of that job moving forward as well for whoever is the next manager. I mean, I believe there's 15 first team players out of contract this summer. Crystal Palace have the oldest average age of a starting eleven. It, it seems like there's going to be a big, big job for whoever it is that comes in. There's actually 12 players out of contract, which should not have been allowed to happen. I'm I'm not a fan of, of Doogie Freeman. Uh, who's our technical director, for want of a better word. And t- to be honest, he's not a fan of me. We don't get on. But it it shouldn't have been allowed to get to a situation where we've got a, an entire first team of players out of contract. As it, as it happens, I think losing eight of those players wouldn't be a problem. It's like people like Jovan Arnholt going wouldn't be a, a problem. Uh, Connor Wickham hasn't played a game for 18 months. It wouldn't be a problem. But it means that we've got a lot of players to bring in. The, the the average age of the squad has to come down. It's it's noticeable how in the last five ten minutes of games, especially defensively, we 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 struggle. We, we, you know, with you know, Gary Cahill was a really good player, but he's he's thirty five. Mamadou Sakho has done what he always does and has fallen out with everybody at the club, so doesn't play. But he's he's. The second highest paid player, so he's we need to get the wage bill. And even when he was playing, he's a he's a good player, but he's not as good as he thinks he is. He's an accident waiting to happen. He, he makes he makes two mistakes in every game, and at a level that gets punished. Tompkins is probably the best centre back we've got, but he can't play two games in a, in a row. So we've got Czech Kayati, who's played every game this season at centre back, who's a midfielder. So. We 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 need to trim the squad. We need to get younger players in. Unfortunately, uh, Eberichi Eze is probably out now for six months, and it's it's a shame because I think Liverpool fans would really like to have seen him because Eze was such an unusual signing for Palace. We don't sign flair players. We don't sign young glamorous players, but he's been the most the most exciting talent I've seen at Sellers Park for for years. He's a he's a joy to watch. He's, he's a throwback. He's like watching a kid in the playground. He just wants the ball all the time. He doesn't care how many defenders he's got with him. And, and he just has his magic ability suddenly to be in space. So he's a big miss. And we've got Tyrick Mitchell, who came from our youth team, who's only 19 at left back, who scored his first goal last week, who's a brilliant, brilliant prospect. But then after Tyrick Mitchell, the next the next youngest player is, is Wilf, who's 28. So we really need we really need fresh legs. Roy Hodgson, unfortunately, like a lot of managers, doesn't really trust academy players. He thinks if you're in the Premier League, the academy players are not fit and strong enough. Mitchell's proved him wrong, but we've got some good players. About I saw our under twenty threes the other night. We've got four or five eighteen year olds 
who are brilliant, but unfortunately they're not ready for the first team. And unfortunately, as you know, it's the nature of young footballers that four out of those five brilliant under eighteen players may never make it, which is which is heartbreaking. But we've got we have to get the average age of our squad down. We have to, but that takes a lot of money, and and that's not necessarily money we we've, we've got. And and again, we really we probably it's very rare that we play. It's like we'll play you on on Sunday. And every single one of your first team would get into our first team. Every single one. And I include Wilf in that. Every single one of the team players you've got is better than our players. And you can say that virtually every time we play. There's very rarely any games that we play, except against the bottom clubs, where you say none of that team's players will get in our team. We, we, need, we need fresh legs. We need fresh thinking. We need, we need something. I, I, I think Roy was capable of doing that if he was allowed to do so and allowed to bring in the players that he wanted to, to do but yes we we've we've got to change the squad but the fact that we have to do it because 12 of the players are out of contract that's that's and palace some palace fans laugh it off and they say oh, well that's typical palace but it, it's not funny and the our problem is that every we're coming now into our ninth season in the premier league in, in past years we've only ever had one season at a time so we're coming to our ninth season which is brilliant it's an amazing achievement for us to be in the premier league for nine seasons but every season, it's like we start again. Every season, it's like we've just been promoted and everything is new to us. We we don't know how the Premier League works. And, it, and it's it's starting to get a bit frustrating now, to be perfectly honest. I, I want to see a bit more efficiency from my club. This this kind of muddling through attitude is great and it's funny, but I, I want to see a little bit more. It would be lovely to have a season where we're at no stage are you looking down at the table but i'm not convinced that getting rid of Roy or letting roy hodgson go as we didn't get rid of him steve parish didn't want to be the manager who sacked roy hodgson but we certainly didn't object to roy hodgson resigning and I, i'm not convinced that roy hodgson leaving is, is the, the best for the club unfortunately in terms of the the players who could come in i've noticed this week there's been a couple of links with naby Keita at liverpool i mean he's not a player that liverpool are in any sort of rush to get rid of but i think if a big enough offer came in maybe they'd be tempted is that a sort of crystal palace signing it seems like a really sort of random one to me it's 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 a rumor that we've all heard you know I, every day i wake up and i go i'm not going on news now i'm not going on any of the palace sites but it's a rumor that started last week it's it's still there from what i can gather at the club he's certainly a player we're interested in from, from my point of view uh he's, he's a fringe player for you but he would be he would be a very good buyer for us because he's 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 two players essentially he's a he's the sort of strong physical midfield player that we always look to sign but he's also got an air of creativity about him he can pass the ball as well, we lack we lack creativity in midfield so much, and <clears throat> I'd be a sign of not necessarily ambition, but it would be a sign that we're looking up if we were to bring a player like Naby Keita, whoever he'd want to come to Celtic. I don't know, but for, for us, for the level of club that, that that we are, then yeah, he would be he would be a good signing for us. He certainly would be a good signing for us. Um, because there's there's goals in him as well, and he would, you know, and <clears throat> I think he would excite the other players as well. Because I think, you know, Wilf Zahar's getting it's so much focuses around Zahar at our club, and keeping him happy is a big job for a lot of people at the club. But it, it, bringing in players of that sort of quality is the sort of thing that would keep Wilf happy, basically. 
and again, as I said, yeah, he would he would be brilliant for us. He really would be brilliant for us, and and he wouldn't be much of a loss for you, really, because he doesn't play that often. So, but you know, again, even a player like Mamie Cat, I'm guessing you're talking twenty five, thirty million, which for us is a is a significant investment. Although, of course, these days no one pays up front for a player anyway. But yeah, he would. It'd be, it'd be a big. It would be a big sign. It wouldn't quite be a marquee signing for us, but it certainly would be. A big signing. I'd, I'd be more interested in. Yeah, I'd, I'd love for us to keep Mishi Bashwai, for example, who I can't understand why Doogie Freeman bought Bashwai in uh, over Gora test level. He's not got a sniff. It's and we'll have to system to come by bring him in in the first place. I don't. I don't understand why a player like Bashwai, who who's is in the squad, you know, Belgium is the number one ranked team in the world. That's why he gets in the Belgian squad, but can't get on the 10th squad. I'd really like to see him coming in. Ruben, Ruben Lofcheek is the other rumour since he was with us on loan and was one of the best players we've had for a three months. But he's not had a brilliant season for Fulham, so I'd like to see him brought in. But I want to see his bodies. That's the other issue as well. I, I, I get really fed up when we bring big players in on loan and then they play against them parent club it makes us makes us look like a small team do you know what i mean so I'll, i want to see us actually buy three or four players and of course palace fans being palace fans the reason a lot of them want frank lampard is because they think oh well frank lampard will come in he'll bring tammy abraham he'll bring billy gilmore he'll bring loftus it, it doesn't quite work like that but yeah again i'm, I'm aware that you asked me a very simple question about Nabi Cater and i've given you an essay but the simple answer is i would i would love to see him at some part yes absolutely yeah, no, it all ties in really with the, the next question about Eze as well. It, it sort of feels like there's at least being an, an attempt from Crystal Palace to, to maybe make themselves a little bit more exciting for fans, maybe to drive the, the starting 11's age down. It does sort of feel like there are steps in place with these players. It, it, it's sort of slowly starting to go in the right direction. Well, I hope so. It, but yeah, So often with Palace, you start off in the right direction. It doesn't take much to to divert us basically and and the, the fact is that we've got new stand which hopefully will be up in two years time which means our capacity will be five thousand yeah, so we'll, we'll have a capacity of thirty one and a half thousand and that's quite a few more season tickets to sell and that's one of the reasons that roy hodgson knows he has to uh, for want of a better word provide a more entertaining product because he needs to get more people into the ground. Uh, the taper season tickets for next season has been brilliant. It's been really, really good. But yes, there is, <clears throat> I think there is an awareness now that Palace fans do want more, that they want to turn up at Sellers Park. And it, and it and it's fine to say the atmosphere at Sellers Park is brilliant. It is. It's not always. It's like Anfield is, is brilliant at Anfield. And sometimes it doesn't much to quiet the fans down. It's the same at Sellers Park. So it's, it's always a pleasure to be there. Of course it is, because I love the place. But you don't necessarily look forward to, to the football. You haven't done for a long time. We didn't under Allard, we didn't under Pulis, we didn't particularly under Pardew. But there is, I think there is a recognition now that, you know, Steve Parrish always talks about the Premier League as being showbiz. So there is, there is an, an element of recognising that we need a bit more pizzazz. But the, the trouble with trying to bring that pizzazz is you do the risk of losing what's, Kept, which is you know, the ability to beat teams that aren't as good as us sounds like a 
a, a strange thing to say, but one thing we we did very well under Roy Hodgson is that we were we were better than six teams in the Premier League, and that's all it takes, really. You could go into games against Sheffield United, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley, reasonably confident that you would get points out of them. Anything we got against the the, the big six was a was a bonus. Uh, my my fear is that you'll get somebody like Eddie Howe who will occasionally have a brilliant result against Man City or Liverpool, but we won't have the strength and solidity of teams below us. So it's a really it's a really difficult balancing act. And the thing is about you know what fans are like the same you know the the fans that have been tweeting about Roy and getting Royale were the ones that were in the ground last night chanting his name and singing he's one of our own. And the same fans that have been moaning about changing the style of football, if we're three months into the new season and our new exciting football has only brought us four points, they'll be tweeting to, to you know, Roy back, get some solidity and see. And, and Steve Parrott's other big problem is that the Frank de Boer experiment was so disastrous. We brought in a manager who, rumour is, when he was taken to the training ground, thought, it was a practical joke and said, where's the real training ground? We brought in Frank de Boer, tried to get Scott Dan and, and other players to, to play the ball from the back. They didn't want to do it. It was hilarious. You could see them imploring Steve Mandanda to kick the ball long, not to pass it to them. So there is that danger that you try and change too much in the, in the desire to be anything and you lose what you have as, as a club, basically. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one thing that Crystal Palace do have or certainly have had in the last four games is Christian Benteke scoring goals up front. I mean, he was never the right fit for Liverpool. He was never a Liverpool player. I think stylistically, it was just never going to match up. But there is a really good player in there. He's, I think, one of those who's out of contract this summer. Is he a player that you'd expect to, yeah. to stay around and, and sort of be one for, for next season, given the form that he's been in? Well, it's it's amazing that there are Palace fans more cynical than I who say he's in good form because he's playing for a contract. But if, if that's the case, it doesn't bother me at all. I've, I've, I don't think any fans would have been more patient with Christian Benteke than Palace fans. I mean, he was out. His first season with us, he was a, a revelation. He scored 17 goals, mainly because we kept crossing the ball to him, and he's a brilliant header. Then he was out injured for a long time. Then when he kept coming back, he couldn't score for love nor money. And last season, I think he scored four last season, and his overall play was disappointing. But Palace fans still kept behind him. They still supported him. Uh, partly because he's a really nice bloke and he's done a lot of stuff for Logan. He, he donated a huge amount of money in the COVID crisis to, to local charities, to local food charities, and, and he bought a huge amount of PPE for local. So he's very popular. But I, I really genuinely hope he stays. And again, it, you kind of think, well, if Sean Dice comes in as manager, then we'll keep Benke. Maybe Eddie is less so. But I think, I think at the moment he's in the form of his life. And interesting is the Palace that if you put the ball anywhere near him in the air, the chances are he's going to score a goal. But his 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 open play has been fantastic. He's back to how he was when he came to us, bullying defenders, covering every inch of the pitch, defending from the front. Very very strong. But um, I really hope we keep him. But also his reputation has really been seized with us because he's scored 
that goal in the last second against Brighton, which if ever you're going to make yourself popular with Palace fans, it's scoring against Brighton will do it. But scoring a winner in the last minute when they've played you off the pitch is is definitely a way to, to become a Palace legend. There's a lot of T-shirts with the image of him celebrating after that game. Uh, but but we've also got Mateta Wings, who we got in, who scored against Brighton, which was a backheel double nutmeg, which for some reason he scored that brilliant goal and we haven't seen him since. So I don't know whether the plan was to get Benteke off the wage list because he gets a lot of money and then Mateta in. But no, I really hope we keep. I really hope we keep Teke because he's been he, he's been fantastic. And again, like you you talk about, it's an illustration, and I don't say this of any bitterness bigger than others as simple as that but it's an illustration of where we are that I would be really keen to get a player like Naby Catering and that somebody like Ben Teke for us is a glamorous player yeah as you say for you he quite never quite fitted into the the play because he was never he's still not that mobile and he certainly isn't he isn't quick so you know he's not the sort of player that would play free last season was was a joy to watch and he would you know he's just not that sort of player he would never fit into that sort of system but but for us he's what he plays a class act and i'd be really excited i i would i'd love to see ben Teke in match why he started the same team and it, it's possible that might happen on sunday i doubt it very much but yeah i, I would love to keep him taking he scored 10 goals for us now which is for us is a is a remarkable achievement anyone getting into double figures is, a, is big news for for palace yeah, big worry, I think, for, for Nat Phillips and, and Reese Williams, obviously not the most experienced players for the weekend. Benteke, I'm sure, will be licking his lips at that prospect. But just before we finish, I wanted to, to sort of ask you about in terms of the importance of this game to Crystal Palace. Obviously, it's Roy Hodgson's last game. It's the last game of the season. I think the highest Palace can finish is 12th, the lowest is 16th, but that would require Southampton, Brighton and Newcastle all to win on the final day. So will they be on the beach for the weekend or, or does this one sort of matter? I suppose a few players are playing for their futures. Um, it, it it does matter. I mean, the chairman will always tell you, you you get two million pound for each place you finish in the in the Premier League. Uh, so it matters financially. It, I, I would be really annoyed if we ended up below Brighton, Southampton, Burnley, which is which is possible. But at the same time, we'll still end up twenty, maybe twenty three, clear of the third relegation place, which is what's really important. It, it would be nice to think that Roy would celebrate his last game by bringing a couple of the youngsters. We've got a kid called Raksaki, who's 18, on the bench last night, who's one of the most exciting prospects I've seen. There's nothing of it, tiny. And I think it's a brilliant development in English football in the past few years that we had Declan, the only asset a lot of English teams look for was strength and athleticism and power and muscle. And I think that's that's gone out. You know, we've got, we're seeing players who are getting on skill on rack circuit. It'd be lovely to see him start against Liverpool. I don't think it's going to happen. Roy's, Roy's the sort of manager that even in his last game, he's changed his approach. He'll have way too much respect for Liverpool. He won't He won't want to see uh, a 4-0, 5-0 spanking. So I think we'll approach the game in exactly the same way we approach every game, home or away, that we will be looking to sit deep and try and hit you on the break, basically keep our fingers crossed and hope that Wilf doesn't have one of his sulky games, which he's had quite a few of this season, that hopefully Wilf will, will look upon it as a big a big stage to maybe say his 
last for a while as well. But I think Roy will want to go out with a good performance. But I don't think he'll particularly want to go out with a, uh, an entertaining one. And th- I think the nature of the game has changed for us as well as you because you need you need that win to guarantee your your Champions League place. So I, I think it might have been a different prospect if you'd already had to, uh, the Europa League. But I think the fact that you you've got something on it, I think as well the fact that there are there are going to be fans in there, they will be incredibly noisy because what you'll have in uh, in Anfield is is fans that have got enough points to get in there and the fans that go to the home and away games so those that make the noise so there will be a proper a proper Liverpool atmosphere in there and that that changes things so, but to go right back to the start of the conversation I, I just kind of want to get it out of the way basically I, I always as a Palace fan I worry every time we play Liverpool Man United Man City I worry and you you, you your main ambition is to get out with a bit of dignity, basically. Decide what would be a a score that could make you hold your head up. It's like, you know, three nil, fine, I'll take that. Anything else is is, is not good. Um, but yeah, I just want to get it out of the way. I want to get this season over and done with. I want to... Because oh, all, my, my, all my sadness at, at Roy leaving will be excitement when we find out who the new manager is and start speculating about playing and we can look forward hopefully to coming back in August with a full Sellers Park and, and Roy will recede into the past. But I, as I say, no no one wants season to, to carry on. It's 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 brilliant that it's finishing and it's brilliant that it's finishing with, with fans in but I suspect it's gonna finish on more of a high for you than it is it is for us. But although having said that, there's always the chance that we'll get battered for eighty nine minutes and Andros Townsend will do something unlikely and nick something and ruin your dreams but I'll yeah, I think that there's a kind of similar feeling. I think at Liverpool, just get this season over with, get fans back, get, start again next season with all the injuries and, and everything that's gone wrong for Liverpool. As long as they can, can sort of get into the top four, I think that would be you know, a big achievement and, and something to, to look forward to over the summer. But uh, yeah, I think that just about brings us to the end of the podcast, the last behind enemy line, behind enemy line show of this season. Thank you very much to, to Kevin for joining me on the show. I mean, just before we finish, I will get a score prediction. We get one from every guest on the podcast. I'm going to go for a nervy first half, but a 3-0 Liverpool win in the end. What do you think it might be? Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm so superstitious that I always think I'll jinx things, but I do. I, 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 think, I think we can nick a goal. We've got, we've got, we've got goals in this. I, I think I've, I can see Ben Teke doing his really high-stepping uh, celebration in front of Liverpool fans. But I think, I can't see us stopping you scoring, basically. Uh, I I think 3-1. I think I would take 3-1. So uh, I would, I'm going to put 3-1 to you. Yeah, certainly Liverpool would definitely take that. I think it's unlikely. I think Leicester would have to beat Tottenham about 6-0 uh, for that to uh, to be a bad result for Liverpool. So certainly, I think going into this weekend, Liverpool would certainly yeah. take that. Yeah, I think it's a four-goal turnaround. I think, yeah, it's a, it's a four-goal turnaround if, if Liverpool win by a goal. So maybe it would be 5-0 if, uh, if Liverpool won 3-1. The more Liverpool get, the harder it gets for Leicester, certainly. We know that much. 
But uh, we shall uh, we shall see what happens. Of course, you can follow it across the Liverpool Echo and Blood Red, of course, in all of the usual places. If you've not already, make sure to sign up to the Blood Red newsletter. The link for that will be in the description. And you can also sign up on the Liverpool Echo website as well. For now, though, thank you for listening. Enjoy the rest of the build-up to the final game of this season. And from myself, Matt Addison, and my guest, Kevin Day, it's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.